Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to another episode. I am so thankful that you're here. Um, Before I get into the episode today, I want to give you um, an explanation for why I wasn't here on the weekend. Um, And yeah, just be totally transparent and honest with you. So um, what ended up happening, just the the short version, is uh, on Sunday night, and the, the date was the 7th of August, on Sunday night, the 7th of August, as I was going to, to sleep, uh, I, I do meditation every night. And uh, anyway, while I was just sort of getting ready to do my meditation, uh, for some reason, the voice inside my head said, no, you need to journal, you need a pen and paper really urgently. And I didn't have one uh, because I was in bed. So I grabbed my phone and I just started writing in the notes section. And what happened was I had this experience where um, I started asking myself questions. I could hear, you know, that voice in your head, that monologue in your head. I could hear that asking me questions and I was writing them down and then I was answering them. And it all happened very, very, very quickly. Um, I, I mean, in a matter of minutes, this all happened. And uh, as a result of that, I had a few sort of, I don't know what you call them, big shifts, aha moments, epiphanies. I, I don't know. Um, all I can say is that um, for for most of my life, I've had anxiety, um, though I never realized I had it. I just thought everybody had it um, or everybody felt the way that I did. So I never, I never believed I was different from anybody else. I just thought this was how everybody is. Um, and anyway, what I realized was um, some of my behaviors and some of the um, reactions that I have to things um, are probably not um, the same as what other people would normally have. For example, you know, I could feel like if there was a confrontation, for example, um, I could feel things escalate very quickly in my body, like a, a physiological response would happen very, very quickly in my body. Um, things would become chaotic around me. I wouldn't be able to think, you know, all of that sort of jazz. Anyway, I thought this was pretty normal. Um, and then a few years ago, um, my anxiety was like officially diagnosed, which was <laughs> fun. Um, ha- having to, you know, be a health professional that's got a PhD um, on CBT of all things <laughs> for, get this, managing anxiety and depression in the workplace. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um for the last two or three years, I've had to really be working on trying to understand the anxiety because it just like escalated. So it's, it's gone up notches. And uh, anyway, I got help from all the people doing all the things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought I'd be managing it pretty, pretty well until this happened on the Sunday night, you see. And on the Sunday night, I realized that um, what happened a few years ago was maybe just the universe giving me a catalyst to say, hey, you know what, uh, you really do need to look at this. <laughs> and what ended up happening on that Sunday night was I realized, I realized and not only realized, but also, and it just happened so quickly. It, w- it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I realized that um, 
I, I, and do you know what? Maybe I knew it the whole time, but I just never wanted to admit it for whatever reason because it was never discussed in my family. But I realised I was a, um, I don't know if you say victim or survivor. I'm still, I don't know. It's all still quite fresh of um, family domestic violence. And um, it, I didn't realise because I was so young when it was happening that, of course, it's, it's had or it did have this huge impact on me because um, when you're a kid, you don't realise, right? You just... I don't know, for me anyway, I didn't realise. Um, I just thought this was life and I thought it was happening everywhere and it's such a cliche when I say it out loud. But yeah, it affected me um, in in lots of different ways that I'm now able since Sunday night <laughs> to see that I couldn't see before anyway. So even just saying that, saying that out loud, you know, it feels like surreal. But anyway... So then I, I kind of, and I know like when I reflect back, I know what I did on Sunday night was I, I saw it for what it was, I acknowledged it, I accepted it, I could see how my mind, because it's not my soul, but I could see how my mind, how my egoic mind had been doing its level best, let's say, to keep me in um, a state of safety and security Um uh, you know, through the the tendency to be hypervigilant for threats and hypervigilant for this and that and all, all the other jazz. So anyway, then, and as I said, it was just surreal how it all happened so quickly. It, it was just a matter of minutes. It was this acknowledgement. I saw what happened. I acknowledged it. I accepted it. I had gratitude for my mind, for my egoic mind, for trying to protect me. Um, I had compassion for myself. Um, I had understanding finally uh, for myself. And then um, it was so weird because I was able to have compassion for the person who did it um, and forgiveness. And that this is what's so crazy about it. It all just happened so quickly. Um, yeah. And then after the forgiveness, I think the, the next thing was like I just um, – thought oh my gosh you know the, all of this has come through and then I realized um because I was so young when this was happening and I was in the process of you know developmental psych you know I was I was writing my own story and all of that just goes into your subconscious mind when you're so young and you're so little right um because you know you, you don't have the cognitive capacity to be able to evaluate stuff and all of that jazz so anyway I knew that because my um, beliefs and values that I was operating from were deep-seated right right down in my subconscious mind that without me being aware of them all my behaviors in the day were being you know not controlled but heavily influenced by these beliefs so I knew that I needed to change the uh, subconscious beliefs so I knew that the way to do that, and this isn't from psychology, I got this through my manifesting work, uh, which is probably why I was, why the universe drew me to it in the first place, was I needed to change the limiting beliefs. Well, I didn't see them as limiting. I saw them as helpful, <laughs> but I needed to change those, those, that story. And um, the way to change a story is with another story. And I also knew that in order to change things in, at that deeper level in my subconscious mind, it wasn't going to be about um, logic and things like that. I needed to do things like draw, um, move my body. You know, your, your subconscious mind is said to be the equivalent of a seven-year-old child. So they learn best through, you know, pictures, 
logo therapy, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I was there and I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm just going to rewrite my story. So I made up a, 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 um, and I know to change the beliefs, you can't just say, oh, this didn't happen or, oh, I'm this person now. I knew that I had to use the process words. So I started to say things like, you know, I, I'm aware of this now and I'm now getting better. I'm now in the process of change. I'm now in the process of healing. I'm now in the, so I was using those sorts of things. And it was just so bizarre because that night I had the deepest, most restful sleep. And then the next morning, it was kind of like I woke up and I felt different. I felt like I don't know. I was talking to my friend about it and I said to her, it wasn't like I felt um, happy or like I felt excited or anything like that. It was really that there was an absence of what wasn't wanted. There was an absence of the racing heart that I've lived with for, you know, 40 years. There was the absence of the shortness of breath. There was the absence of the feeling like I had to rush. There was the absence of, um, yeah, just like this chaotic sort of, you know, oh, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this. And uh, do you know what I mean? So all of this, I was just gone. And it was just like kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just like, yeah, it really was an absence of all that. It was almost like a nothing. So it wasn't that suddenly there was all this love and light and excitement and bliss. It was just like what I said to my friend was um, I can best describe it as when I have a headache, like I'm aware that I've got a headache and I do all the things to try and plow on with the headache. Um, and then if it gets really bad, I will have, you know, an aspirin, a Panadol, whatever. Um, and I'm not aware that the headache is gone until somebody asks me, how's your headache, right? So it's not that, do you know what I mean? Anyway, so that's what it was like. And so for the last, I don't know, week, I've just been trying to understand what happened that Sunday night <laughs> um, because it's been really huge. <laughs> it's been really huge. And I just didn't want to show up on the Wednesday for the podcast because I was still, well, I'm going to be processing this for a while, I imagine, but um, I was still kind of in the throes of it and trying to understand, you know, what what did I do? Who was I being that allowed me to have this massive epiphany? And why did it happen now when I'm 47? Why didn't it happen when I was 37 or 27 or 17? Like what was it about that night in particular that, you know, made me, I, I don't know, open and receptive and able to have this experience. And so I was trying to think about that because I'm really big on being able to replicate things because when you study psychology, you know, it, psychology is a science and you learn all about um, lab reports and, and um, clinical trials and, and, you know, the importance of things being standardized and you must be able to replicate things. So I've still got that in me. And I was thinking, what was I doing at that time? How can I set myself up to recreate these types of experiences? Um, I still haven't figured it out. But one of the things that um, I did realize was in my self-care time, which I have every day from, I don't know, 
I want to say 4.30 till 6. It's my self-care time. Um, I was there and I was just like scrolling on Instagram while I was waiting for a video to load on, on my iPad. So I'm scrolling through vi- Instagram and I see all this stuff about Lionsgate. Now, I never heard about Lionsgate, but apparently lots of people were, were talking about it and I got curious. And uh, anyway, so I did some research on Lionsgate. And what I really liked about it was um, that the Lionsgate portal – Stay with me. I know you're you're open to hearing this sort of stuff, but I'm just trying to put two and two together here. But anyway, um, the Lionsgate portal, it's called Lion because it happens in the zodiac sign of the Leo um, and it's called a portal. Now, I don't know, you could call it a corridor. You, could, I'm just going to call it alignment, but some people call it, well, a lot of people call it a portal. But all it is is when the earth is in total alignment for a period of time, I think it's like 10 or 12 days, with the brightest star in the night sky, which is called Sirius. And if you look closely, Sirius kind of looks like a pale blue kind of star. So when the earth is lined up pretty much in the energy of Sirius in the zodiac sign of Leo, it is believed that this lining up of Sirius with the Earth creates um, a shift in the frequency and the vibration of the energy that we experience. And now my, my logical mind makes sense of this by saying, well, sure, I mean, the moon has big effects on the water, doesn't it? Um, and we're like 80 or 90% water and farmers plant their crops by the moon and that's all energy and frequency and that's what's influencing the tides and stuff. So I, in that way, I'm kind of trying to link it to what I already know. So I'm saying, yeah, okay, I, I can follow where this might be going. Um, but anyway, apparently um, way back when, this goes back to ancient Egypt and then it goes to Greece, but the origins of the Lionsgate portal are Egyptian and they made the connection between, um, now I think it happens from the 26th of July to the 15th of August every year, or to the 13th of August every year. Um, and for them, what they noticed was that the water in the Nile rose uh, during this 10 or 12 day period. So that was how it all started and they would celebrate and they, you know, they didn't have, um, uh, I don't know what the right terminology is, but they, you know, it was before the time of Christianity um, and it was during a time where they were honouring sun gods and do you know what I mean? Like Ra, the, the god of the sun. And so it was all very elemental um I don't know if worship is the right word, but this is what they were focused on. So anyway, and that's the history of it. So they they noticed that for them, good things happen, like these these big shifts happen. And it was only that, like that's just one example. So I was just there and I was thinking, do you know what? I've been doing so much inner work uh, lately, like especially, well, when I say lately, I'm thinking about the term of my life, but in terms of like 
the whole 47 years. The, the last few years have been very focused on the inner stuff. So part of me is just wondering, maybe it's nothing that I can replicate. Maybe I was just in the, in the right spiritual, energetic, vibrational place at the right time to tune in or, or be receptive to this extra energy. Because the other thing about Sirius is it's also known as the spiritual sun. And the spiritual sun is said to, um, oh, now I'm going to get really woo, but don't worry. <laughs> but information is is transmitted or carried on the frequency, on the vibration, kind of like when you listen to your radio, you tune it in, right? All the sounds that you hear or the radio announcer's voice, that's all information that's being carried along. Um, so it's not too woo, is it? <laughs> that's all information or your Wi-Fi with your, with your computer. Um, all of that is information and coding that's being carried along, things that you can't see with your eyes, but you have faith <laughs> that they're there. You have faith that your your telecommunications provider is, is going to like al allow the open channel of frequency from their end to your end to be open and to transmit information along all those wiggly lines of waves, um, frequencies, vibrations. So I'm just thinking maybe I just happen to be tuned in to that frequency there of this the spiritual sun in the Lionsgate portal I mean who knows I don't know I'm just trying to make sense of it um I just wish that everybody could have had this same or similar experience of being able to you know, it, it was just like this profound healing, this profound shift. I haven't been the same since. I've still been trying to figure it, figure out who I am without anxiety. And it is, well, it's, it's strange. I don't, I'm still trying to figure out like who, yeah, that's not my identity. Like I know who I am and what I'm doing and um, my purpose, like none of that's changed. But within myself, I'm, I've changed and I've had a lifetime of patterns of behaving, patterns of responding, patterns of reacting that I don't have access to anymore. So now it's like I'm in a place where I'm getting to learn, okay, what do people without anxiety do <laughs> in these situations? So it's like a, a, a relearning, but it's also very empowering because it's like, Oh, I get to choose how I want to how I want to be because that's that old story has shifted and gone, and I felt that this was so important because to share with you because in all my time working in private practice with with my clients, I guess um, this gives me like this personal experience, this this really truly really lived experience does give me different insight as to what healing looks like, and do you know what just my my opinion my opinion i'm not i'm not saying you know i'm sure it works for some people but cbt and solution focused therapy doesn't give you this same shift it gives you they, they those things i believe can give you tools but i think it's all very surface level i don't know that you get those same shifts from i don't know i don't know that you can remove those those that heaviness off your chest through those kinds of things. And that's why I'm such a big believer in, 
you know, rejecting the medical model. I, you know, the medical model's there for a reason. It's there because of, oh, you know, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but that's where the money is, right? The money is in the medicine. Um, it's in, you know, like it's really expensive to do a course in psychology now. Um, and a lot of the courses have been cut. They don't exist anymore because the psychology is moving in a more clinical direction. And, you know, the, those courses are so much more expensive and, uh, the research that you do is based on a medical model and the lab reports, the laboratory reports that you're required to do and your experiments that you're required to do mirror a medical model. You don't learn those things in a counselling course. Um, they're, they're just, uh, do you know what I mean? And you end up working in, in that medical model and um, it's the medical model that says, oh, we don't believe in naturopathy. Of course not, because there's no money for them in naturopathy. Um, they took nutrition off the insurance, um, you know, list of approved treatments and everything. That was because <laughs> there's no money for, for doctors and, and, you know, um, suppliers in nutrition. <laughs> that Because when you learn about nutrition, you're buying from farmers and you're buying at farmers markets and you're buying from supermarkets. You're not spending money on medicine. So um, it's a big myth or not a myth, but I think there's so much emphasis on the medical model. And I really feel it's because it's economical rather than it's based on economics rather than the health of the people all the time. Um, now, of course, there's absolutely space for medicine. Yes. And there are absolutely people who need medicine for mental health. Yes. I'm not saying that they don't. They absolutely do. But I don't think medicine itself goes far enough to completely heal and treat and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's why there is such a space for people like us that want to do the counselling and provide all of the talk therapies to provide all of the, you know, space to allow people to go on their journey at their own time instead of rushing through six sessions or 10 sessions or 20 sessions, you know, supporting them to do it at their own pace, at their own time and allowing them to um, try new things like energy work or, you know, I don't know, tapping, EFT, MDR, um, you know, Reiki, distance healing, working with, like I love working with Oracle cards. They help me so, 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 so much in my business, um, but I hadn't been using them to deal with all this other stuff, right? Um, so I think that a medical model is very, very limited and I think there's absolutely a place for us as counsellors with a capital C to be able to really enjoy the results that we can support our clients get in this space by acknowledging the relevance and the role of the medical model over there, but also not at the exclusion of everything else. Does that make sense? It's not all about the medical model and it's not all about, you know, empirically validated approaches. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's about all of the stuff it's about the person as a whole that's their their mind their body their spirit and their energy right those four layers that we all have those four aspects to ourselves that we all have and so I think you know um there used to be so much fear around 
being out and loud and proud about, you know, oh, I work with this energy or I, you know, I do spiritual counseling or I do this or I do that. And I think please don't feel afraid to work your light to steal Rebecca Campbell's um, saying there. Don't be afraid to work your light because your light is needed and your light is important and your light is transformational I mean just think about the word light for a moment like if you think about your bedroom at night and the lights are off what happens what can you do when you flick the light on well suddenly you can see right you can see more with the light than you can in the dark and so I think it's so important just to use that as a metaphor that you absolutely work your light meaning bring your gifts to your sessions because your clients are going to see more with the light on than if the light's off anywho I've just gone off on a huge tangent there but hopefully those of you who needed to hear that it's landed for you and and you've understood what I was saying. But anyway, I want to talk with you um, about managing and navigating the quiet periods in your private practice. And the reason is because this was asked in my group. So I I put up a question. I said, you know, where are you needing support? Bunch of people were saying, um, well, it's coming up to November, December, and I'm getting a bit nervous now. What am I going to do? So I'll tell you um, what I did so that you can have a chance of replicating that and save yourself some time and energy. So back in the day when I first started my private practice, I was winging it, okay? I didn't have any clue about running a business. What I was, I thought I was pretty good at was doing the actual therapy. Anyway, so I I had no idea. I just thought I was going to go and make a nice logo. I did it all back to front, right? I got a logo and a website and then I was like, I've got a private practice and then I was thinking, now where am I going to get clients? I didn't have a business plan, didn't have a business model, didn't have a marketing plan, none of the stuff. <laughs> I got it all totally back to front. So if you're thinking or dreaming, if you're in that stage about private practice, my advice to you would be <laughs> start with a business plan and a marketing plan and then let's get your logo and, and your website sorted out because there's a you know, you, you sort of, if you do it back to front and you go and get your logo and your website first, you missed a whole lot of stuff that you're going to have to go back to later. And it's just going to be a nightmare and you're going to want to avoid it. <laughs> so don't make the same mistake I did. Um, the, the, what happened for me, as you know, um, was I ended up um, booking high volumes of clients um, to, you know, generate income because I was working in a um, bulk billing business model. Um, And, you know, it was exhausting, but I did it. And I sustained this for many, many years um, until I realized that all I needed to do to, oh, and with the November, December period, that was for me as well, um, the the time of the year when I'd have the most no-shows, the most cancellations and the most stress about um, the turnover for the business, um, which I didn't even realize was turnover for my business at that stage. I was just seeing it all as my money. <laughs> so um, I, knew, I knew that something needed to change. And anyway, the thing that changed for me was, first of all, looking at changing my business model. Now, the reason, well, a business model is how you set your business up. So you've got, um, you know, you can be a, a sole practitioner, which is 
absolutely fine. You can have contractors, you can have employees, etc., etc. There's a whole load of different business models. But the first thing that I did was I, I changed my model of business. By doing that, I was able to still receive income during quiet periods when I wasn't working. So maybe have a look at the model of business that you're currently using and see whether or not you'd be open to the idea of maybe swapping out your model of business for something else. Because here's the thing, as I said in the group yesterday, like I was trading time for money. I was saying, oh, you know, I'm going to see a client and get paid, see a client and get paid. And then if somebody didn't come, I didn't get paid, right? That was trading time for money. Um, it's a very limited business model. But because I was winging it and thinking private practice was so easy, I didn't know the difference, right? Trust me, there's a difference. You don't have to live like that. So look at your business model, stop trading time for money. Um, the next thing is, and you know, I'm, I'm so big on this. You have to have, a, a, well, I really believe that you have to stand for something. You have to be known for something. If you're there and you say, oh, you know, my name's Brooklyn and I work with children and adolescents and adults and the elderly to help them be their best selves. That doesn't mean anything. Okay, it's very general um, and nobody knows why to refer to you. I mean, think about that, right? And then think about a different practice that says, I work with adolescents that are on the spectrum and have a dual diagnosis with ADHD to learn social skills. I know exactly where I'm sending my client, right? You, you have to be referable. And when you market to everybody, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm so scared I'm not going to get any clients that I'm going to say I help everybody because I can. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be inundated with, with work. And it doesn't work like that. The busiest practices are the ones that are referable because a doctor or um, a, a colleague or a peer knows exactly, oh, this counsellor specialises in um, sex therapy. Oh, this counsellor over here specialises in a careers counselling for busy working mums who are ready to re-enter the workforce. Or this one, right? You have to be referable. So, um, and that's going to keep your diary going over the November, December period. So, if you notice that your referrals drop off, you need to have a look at number one, your messaging, and number two, revisit your marketing plan. You absolutely need to have one and not only the plan, you need to have the strategy in place. Now, um, I created a fully booked private practice marketing planner. It's like nine bucks or something. I'll put the link in it. So if you're getting stuck, you can write out your plan and you can write out your strategy. Um, it's not too late and you can start to set your practice up to get some referrals over um, that traditionally quiet period. And then the last thing that I would highly recommend is, and I know some of you do this already, but absolutely implement a dynamic diary because um, that is good for two reasons. Um, it's good for the masculine energy and the feminine energy. So it's good from the perspective of um, having that having that structure, having that level of responsiveness. Um, it's good for prediction, um, all those sorts of things, um, and and for planning. 
But from a feminine energy perspective, it's great because um, it's so helpful for clients. It's just another layer of support you provide for them. Um, And it helps with connection. It helps with relationships. And it helps you feel like, you know, you're a good therapist, which you are. (laughs) Um, So I would absolutely look at a dynamic diary. Uh, If you don't know what that is, you can jump into the Private Practice Success Hub. There's a training in there this week on that um, included for you along with some goodies. So maybe just try that. So they're the three things to navigate a quiet diary and even perhaps not only navigate it, but I want to make it not happen for you. If there's a way we can reduce that, um, let's get that in place. So those three things again were reevaluate the model of business that you're using for your private practice. And maybe you've never even thought about your model of business before. If you want to have a talk about your model of business, jump into one of the groups and we can do that. Um, You want to really revisit your marketing plan and actually implement it with your marketing strategy. And then the last thing, of course, is to use your dynamic diary processes. So I hope that those three steps can help shift you into um, a state of ease and flow coming up to the Christmas period um, by taking some pressure off you and by allowing you to continue to do the really deep, important work that you're doing with your um, perfect for your practice clients. Um, as I said, um, please hit pause, have a look at the show notes. I'll put the marketing planner in there for you for those that need one who don't have one. Um, I'll put the link to the group in there for you if you want to um, come along and learn about uh, dynamic diaries and stuff like that. Um, and if you have any other questions, yeah, just jump into one of the groups or catch me on Instagram at the private practice coach. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Bye, everyone. I hope that you loved this episode as much as I loved putting it together for you. To get more resources to help you in your private practice, head over to Instagram. My handle is at the private practice coach. And also, if you want more inquiries and referrals for your business, let me know. I have a program called Clients on Demand that opens every quarter, and I can absolutely get you some information for that as well. You are doing an amazing job. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. Bye.